We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. IB Nation, welcome back to the Irish Breakdown Podcast. We're live here on a Friday. Typically, that'd be recruiting hour time, but we had to flip the recruiting hour show and the Monday mailbag now is on Friday. So it's free for all mailbag day. You can throw as many questions in the chat as you would please. Just make sure you put an MB or a mailbag in front of them so that we can distinguish in the chat what is a mailbag question, what is general chatter. I am fired up today, Ryan Roberts, joined with Brian Driscoll, of course, the publisher here at IrishBreakdown.com, because the 2024 Hall of Fame class for the NFL was announced. We have 2025 recruits setting up official visits. We have Joel Embiid getting injured for the 17th time in his 76er career. I'm fired up, man. A lot of sports. Brian, excited to be back, man. A lot of great questions I know that we had even before the show began. This feels like it's going to be a great show. I think so. It's going to be fun. We we were going to get some. I mean, Ryan and I are sitting here. We've been on the show for 15 minutes, ready to get started right at 103. And then I made the mistake of asking him a question about the NFL Hall of Fame. And that just kind of got us rocking and rolling. So, um, and it, it's perfect, Ryan, because it does lead into what our first question is going to be. But man, there it's February. There's a lot going on, man. A lot of recruiting stuff yep. going on. A lot of college football news going on. Bill O'Brien set to take, be, become the new head coach at, at Boston College. And it's interesting I'm really curious to see what Ohio State does because this could end up being a a, a, a positive for them depending on who they replace them with. And, sure. uh, you know, because I'm not I'm not a very big Bill O'Brien fan and I didn't love that hire. So we'll see what they do. But uh, very interesting situation. Obviously, how Washington's name was thrown into that. Now the rumors that I'm hearing and some people that I've talked to around the BC program or at least to cover the BC program talking about how there may be a desire to bring in Al Washington still as the D coordinator. We'll see how that goes. So just a whole lot going on, man. A yep. whole lot to discuss, but uh, we got a super I've, chat with, I've, from Tyler Evans to get us started off with, Ryan. What were you going to say? Go ahead. 
I was just going to say because obviously Coach Washington had spent some time with the Boston College program when he was a, when he was a young defensive line coach. He was working with the Harold Landrys and those yeah. types of guys. And he played there. At Boston College. Yeah, he played yep. at Boston yep. College as well. So. Yep. Yeah, it's very familiar with that program. Very familiar with that Absolutely. program. And and if you're the leadership at Boston College, it would make sense if you can try to somehow convince Bill O'Brien to bring him in because they thought enough of Al Washington to interview for the head coaching job. You have to be smart enough to think that Bill O'Brien may not be here that long. He doesn't sure. exactly have a track record of being at places for long periods of time. And he is someone who is a desired. If he does well at BC, there's not a you know, it's not a given that some NFL team's not going to come calling for him for some reason. I right. don't, I don't get it, but he seems to be a guy that a lot of other people think very, very highly of. So, now Washington comes in for a few years. He's your D coordinator, and you know, maybe you have your natural replacement as your head coach when Bill O'Brien leaves, if Bill O'Brien leaves. So, who knows? We'll see how all that all that goes. But as of right now, he's still the defensive line coach at Notre Dame. Chris O'Leary is still the safeties coach, and so everybody can just take a deep breath and let's have fun and enjoy this Friday mailbag. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Tyler, thank you so much. And you are continuing a conversation that only me and Brian have had before the show started, but also a, a battle that I'm going to to on Twitter as well, because I'm very passionate about the NFL Hall of Famer. People that don't know, 2024 NFL Hall of Fame class, what do you think? And for people that have not seen it, the 2024 Hall of Fame class I have in front of me is former Carolina Panther, Chicago Bear defensive end, Julius Peppers, former Chicago Bear re returner, kick and punt returner, Devin Hester, also played a little wide receiver and corner during his career, Dwight Freeney, the great pass rusher from the Indianapolis Colts, Andre Johnson, Houston Texans wide receiver. Patrick Willis, linebacker from the San Francisco 49ers. Steve McMichael, Mongo, who was a great defensive tackle for the Chicago Bears in the 1980s during that really great stretch of defensive football. And then Randy Gratishar, who was a very good linebacker back in the day for the Denver Broncos. Crush. Well. Yeah, yep. man. Uh, you left out part of Steve McMichael's uh, resume, Ryan. He was also part of the Four Horsemen. 
for a while in the WCW. My, my apologies. So. What he was better, what he was better known for. He was better known for. Yes. <laughs> like five like, yeah. <laughs> Forget all that. He's part of the four horsemen, baby. Um, yeah. Look, obviously, Ryan. Overall thoughts uh, that you have about the class. It's um, yeah. I'm, I'll just say this. I'm glad that Rand, my my one ta- first immediate takeaway was I'm glad Randy Gratishar is finally getting his Hall of Fame due. He was a yeah, a great player on a defense that was pretty good for a period of time and was the driving force behind the Broncos getting to a Super Bowl even before the John Elway era. You know, that that Orange Crush defense led them to a Super Bowl with Craig Morton at quarterback. So, yep. uh, yeah, that that was good to see getting in as part of that. He was part of what the senior uh, – him and McMichael were part of that senior, senior committee. Team. Right, exactly. Yep. Yep. So I'll let I you mean, kick it off, Ryan. I, I mean, like, look, look, guys, like of the – we have, well, we have seven guys that made the Hall of Fame this year. I would say just first and foremost, I think it's a very good class because there are some years where a guy might get in where I'm just like, was he a really a Hall of Famer, though? Was he really to that level? I don't think there's a player on this list that I would say doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, right? I think that there's a conversation about a couple people that maybe didn't get into Hall of Fame and maybe a couple of these players that maybe got in a little too quickly comparative to like maybe a first ballot of what typically should be in. But overall, I'm, I have no issue with the players that got in, in the simple nature of, did they deserve to be in the NFL hall of fame? I'm good with that. The pro football hall of fame, I should say, I'm completely fine with it. It's just more, my battle comes to, there's a couple guys that were left off this list where I'm just like, man, I, I don't know why these, a couple of these players were prioritized more than, player X, player Y. And I know we'll get into that more, obviously. But so, but from the, from the onset, just from the baseline level, I think it's a very good class. And I think that the players that got in did deserve to be in the Hall of Fame just in general, in a vacuum, if that makes sense. My, my, my thought was, Ryan, I, I actually, there was one guy that I did kind of scratch my head a little bit about why he got in. And, I, and I'll be honest, looking at the numbers, it makes more sense. But I never watched Andre Johnson play and felt at any time. That's a Hall of Famer. That's one of the best to ever do it. I think he was productive. You know, finished. Yeah. He's right now eleventh all time in receiving yards. But I, I never watched him play and felt, hey, that guy, that guy should be in. And if you're just going to go off of numbers, what I also don't understand is why Andre Johnson's getting in and, and, and Reggie Wayne is not in. I mean, Reggie Wayne has more career yards. He has more career touchdowns. Uh, you know, I, I just, I don't understand, I know, you know, games played a little bit more. That's kind of part of the deal is he was being able to stay healthy his whole career. So the fact that Reggie Wayne and Torrey Holt for me are not hall of famers and Andre Johnson is, I just, I just, again, part of its numbers, right. And, yeah. and you're, you're 11th all time in, in you know, receiving yards. I understand that that's a heck of an accomplishment, but it, I just, some part of it too, is like, I got to watch a guy and feel like that guy. That guy was great. That guy was a great player. And I just never that thought be the that end about, all. Yeah, that about should, Andre that should Johnson. be the end all at the end of it, right? Like, yeah. I, I always say that – I said this on the past on Hall of Fame conversations is that it should the, – the simple question that should be definitively answered is, was that guy a great football player? Right. If the answer is yes, cool. If you have to have a slight he- moment of hesitation of like, mm, yeah, right. then no. They, they weren't a great player, and they probably don't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame, especially first ballot. Like, that's right. kind of where the conversation comes right. from. So, and yeah. when you look at Andre Johnson, I think sometimes people obsess over too much on yards. And I get it. He's yeah. 11th all-time in yards. But he's not even in the top 50 all-time in receiving touchdowns. 
And yep. to me, like that's kind of got to be taken into account, don't you think? I mean, and, and so again, Especially I just for a six three, two hundred thirty pound wide receiver, yeah, like a bigger guy, guy you know? never had ten, never had ten uh, touchdowns in a career in, in a season. And when you look at Reggie Wayne again, I mean Tory Holt and Reggie Wayne again, you know Reggie Wayne is is a guy that ranks 29th all time in touchdowns. Tory Holt ranks 42nd in touch. So I just never felt Andre Johnson was a whole, excellent player. Don't get me wrong, yeah. excellent player. But it's I think I've said this before. I believe I've heard you say this before too. It's not the Hall of really good Hall of Fame for yeah. real. You know the Hall of really good players. It's supposed to be the Hall of Fame of the greats, right? You know. And I just never felt that about about Andre Johnson. And again, if you're going to bring him in, I don't understand what the justification for bringing him in when you still have Reggie Wayne sitting out there, who's been eligible before, I believe, Andre Johnson. So that just doesn't make any sense to me because there's literally no statistical category that I could find. Maybe catches, Mm -hmm. not even yeah, not even catches. He doesn't have as many catches. Uh, as Reggie Wayne, so I just don't, I don't quite. Understand. And 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 he never had to split catches with Marvin Harrison the way that Reggie Wayne did, or, or Dallas Clark, yeah. right? <laughs> Some other guys and the same thing with Tory Holt because Tory Holt had to split yeah. cat catches with Isaac Bruce. He was yeah. always that dude for that football mm-hmm. team in, in in with the Texans. So that would be the only one that I didn't push back on. I, I have no problem. I'm I'm usually against specialists making the Hall of Fame unless you are truly yeah. there's a, no doubt about it. You're the greatest to ever do it. And for yep. me, Devin Hester's number one, and it's not. There's not even a number two for me in the conversation, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he was the yep. greatest to ever do it, and the fact that he did some other things, you know, he he did play some receiver. He did he did help you beyond that, is yep. why I'm totally fine with him him getting it. Yeah, yep. It's it just taking yep. apart I, I, who may have should or shouldn't have or whoever else didn't. It just he yep. is the best to ever do it at that position, and is a guy that changed games as a returner, and and that's. Yep. That, that matters. Yeah. The, the, the wide receiver position has been a really weird one for guys to get in. Cause there's always like a, it's weird. It's it's, there's been some guys that have waited really long. There's been other guys that have been first ballots where you're just kind of like, really like as a first ballot. It's kind of weird. I mean, Isaac mm-hmm. Bruce had to wait several years to get in. I, wasn't it Terrell Owens had to wait a couple years because people didn't yeah. like him. And it's just like, I had 150 touchdowns guys. Like, right. come on, man. Like at some point right. you're just like, all right, great play. Right. Like, come on now. Let's stop that. Yeah. And if, and if we're going to oh. start putting personalities into it, then you've, you've got a, you've got murders in the hall of, you know what I mean? Like, can we just, right. you know, look, it's not about hall of first class human beings. It's hall of fame for what you do on the field. And I can't stand Terrell Owens. I, I, I can't, I've never been a big Terrell Owens fan, but I don't care what your feelings are about Terrell Owens as a, as a person or, you know, his personality as a football player, any of those type of things. Guy was a legitimate, no doubt about it, no brainer Hall of Fame player. Yes. And I mean, you just you just elected Andre Johnson in with seven. Wasn't Andre Johnson? Wasn't this his first shot at it? I think I think it was a first you, ballot. You brought him in yeah. on first ballot with 72 touchdowns. Terrell Owens doubled more than doubled that and had more catches and had more yeah. yards. And, and played in the Super Bowl, yeah. mm-hmm. you know. So, uh, yeah, it was that was that's an and, and in that Super Bowl for the Eagles, he came back from a broken ankle and had rods in his foot and had thir- nine catches for over 130 yards in the Super right. Bowl. Like, right. I mean, yeah, I mean, right. j- just quickly working down the list, like Julius Peppers, cool, deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Devin Hester, I think you said it perfectly. 
I think that I, I would have argued that maybe a, someone should have gotten in before Devin Hester in this ballot, but like overall, best return, best best punt returner ever, best overall returner ever. You deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. No issues there. Dwight Freeney is one where I think Dwight Freeney deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but like putting him over Jared Allen, I think is yeah, ridiculous. Agreed. To be honest, like, I just don't, I don't agree. I just don't agree with that one. I think that Jared Allen was a more productive and better player. I think fortunately for Dwight, Dwight played on those Colts teams that everyone watched and everyone knew about. And he was in kind of in the spotlight a little bit more, but less sacks than Jared Allen, much worse run defender than Jared Allen. Like I just, I don't get that one at all. Patrick Willis abbreviated career, but he was an absolute stud. You know, after Ray Lewis had kind of been on his downtrodden retired, it was him and Luke Keekley as the best inside linebacker in the yeah. NFL for the next seven, eight years, whatever that time span was. Yeah. Steve McMichael probably should have been in a long time ago, and Randy Gradishark should probably should have been in a long time ago. So overall, all these players, I think, deserve it. I think the question is, like, should it have been now for a couple guys? And maybe a couple of those guys should have been in a long time ago. But overall, I think it is a very good class for the Hall of Fame. And, and with Patrick Willis, he falls into my Terrell Davis, Gale Sayers conversation. Yes, you had a shorter career than most. I don't. He didn't even play ten years in the NFL, right? It was he was out at what I think it was eight, nine seven, years, eight years, something like that. Yeah. Yep. But he was so dominant during that stretch that it was like, yes, that's that special. That's that Sandy Colfax, Terrell Davis, Gale Sayers exception to the rule. You know where right. you were so good for yes, it was a short period of time. But you know if Terrell Davis is a Hall of Famer, and I believe that he is, then Patrick Willis is a Hall of Famer. Yeah, I have no problem with that one. And again, I'm not even looking at who got left out at those positions because I'm not as versed on it. But receiver is one I've always looked at and and been like, this is just weird. And it, like you said, Ryan, it's year after year after year. There's just these weird, why do you like that guy, but you're not willing to vote that guy in? Why can't Andre Johnson wait a few years like Reggie Wayne had to wait, like Isaac Bruce right. had to wait, like Terrell Owens had to wait? What, what about Andre Johnson made him a, a no doubt about it Hall of Famer? Right now, right. when Reggie Wayne and Tory Holt are still sitting out there, and they're and they're they're not they're they're not alone. Those are just the two most prominent that pop in my head. Yeah, as guys. Well, and two, two two extra thoughts is Antonio Gates should have been in this class. Antonio Gates was an all time great at tight end. Stats are ridiculous. Did it for a pretty good amount of time as well. I think he played for like 12, 13 years, and he was dominant. He's got over hundred career touchdowns, over ten thousand career receiving yards as a tight end. He should have been in the Hall of Fame. He got. Brian, like him and Tony Gonzalez, they kind of started to revolutionize the tight end position for how yeah. you see it, right? Like as far as like maybe you don't have to be as, as much of an inline guy. Maybe you can move around a little bit. You can play in the boundary. You can play as a big slot. You can be moved around a little bit. Antonio Gates really kind of changed the position a little bit in the modern sense of what we see as a tight end. So I think he should have yeah. been a person. I, 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 I would say that that Terrell Davis is the – or uh, Shannon Sharp's the one that kind of started that. And then Gates and Gonzalez took it to another level and made it popular, yep. right? Yep. I mean, to, to your point, and, and and you look at Antonio Gates' numbers, Ryan. And number one, longevity matters to me. I've said this before. Yep. And yep. he played till he was 38 years old. And he was good until he was 34, I would argue. Yes, he was very good. He yeah. had four seasons with 10 or more touchdowns. He had 116 touchdowns. You just brought in a wide receiver that had 72 touchdowns. <laughs> Yeah. And Antonio Gates doesn't get in at 116 touchdowns. I mean, it just, yeah, there's just a lot of those things you look at. He had two, two uh, thousand yard seasons as a tight end, three other seasons with over 900. Yeah. That's another one that I'm like, yeah, that, that guy, 11,000 receiving yards as a tight end, you know, I mean, good, that's man. over hundred touchdowns, 110 touchdowns, over 110 touchdowns as a tight end. Yeah. That's a pretty good one. Yep. That's pretty well, good. The, the one positive to a couple snubs is that next year, if we have a year where, 
Jared Allen. Luke Keekley is going to be on the ballot next year for the first time. So if we have Luke Keekley, Jared Allen, Torrey Holt, your boy might have to be in Canton because that's three of my favorite players of all time. So might have to be out there in Canton. We'll see. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, it's not that far of a drive for you either. It's really not. It's a really and, cool place yeah. to go to. It it, it really mm-hmm. is. It's if you've never been, yes. it's a pretty cool place to go to. It is. I've been twice, um, but I've never been for a. Yeah. Um, I've never been for the ceremony, so that would be a new one. The uh, and they've done a lot of changes recently as well, and just kind of moving things around and redesigned it and added some new new factors onto it. So I used to speak at a. Um, this was the first year I didn't do it, but I used to speak at a, a Canton club, Notre Dame fans and Canton clubs. And, and one of the guys that used to be part of that club was the, one of the higher ups in the pro football hall of fame. So he took me around a couple, couple tours, a couple times. So that was pretty cool. Getting to see the John Elway bust and some of those others. That was a pretty cool deal. Yep. Pretty cool deal. Quinn Kibler with a super chat. Been a while. Hope you are all well. We are good, man. I hope you're well, because we have Absolutely. not seen you in a while. Had a couple people show up today. Jeff DeMonk, you know, Brian, good to see you again, my friend. Been a bit since been on. Lots of personal stuff. Glad to be listening. We're glad to have you with us, man. I know you've also had some health issues and things going on. So I'm I'm glad you're I'm glad you're doing well, buddy. Glad to see you with us. We had another super chat from Pete Weber. Thank you so much, Pete. Who is your on your Mount Rushmore of best movie characters of all time? Wow. Oh my gosh, question. that is a tough so, one. So Mount Rushmore has four presidents, right? So we need four actors or actresses as far as the top yeah. movie characters of all time. So and he's talking so, not 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 actors. He's talking characters. Okay. Boy, that's a tough Does, one. Doesn't, doesn't the acting performance go into the character, though? I don't know. Well, man. I mean, I think, to me, it's like, I think, I think Rocky was a great character, but I wouldn't, like, call Sylvester Stallone, like, a great actor. You know that that to me is kind of right. how I look at it. Like, I, but he you know, needed a good performance in order to sure, pull that sure, character sure. off. Uh, yeah, but yeah. but I think it's I think this is more focused on just on on the actual characters, which makes it kind of okay. interesting. Mount Rushmore sure. best movie characters. I mean, that's partially also going to be determined by what are your what's your genre of of movies that you like. You know what I mean? If you're you know, for right. me, I'm more of an action sci fi kind of guy when it comes to like great characters. So you know, I mean, obviously. Something like Jason Bourne. I mean, those those type of things pop in my head. I I don't know that I could narrow it down to four, right? I mean, obviously Rocky would be one for me. That would be a yep. you know best movie character. And I thought that they sat they saved that franchise with some of the later mm-hmm. ones. They kind of started yeah. to ruin it in in the, in the nineties a little bit. And uh, you know the one with Tommy Gunn and all that. But I thought the last one really saved it. And uh, you know I'd, I'd say Rocky. And then there was some crossover with him and the Creeds and 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 his role there. And and so to me, yeah. part of being great characters, it's got to have some long lasting, you know, feeling. I mean, even young people who weren't alive ever during the Rocky movies can still they know who it is, right? So I, I got to put Rocky sure. in there for me. I that that has to be one for me. I'm a one big fan of the Jason Bourne series too, Ryan. I'm, I'm, okay. I love those. So he would be one for me, but go ahead. I think one for me without question would be the Joker. I would lean towards the, I would definitely lean more towards the, um, the dark Knight version of the Joker and yeah. the Heath Ledger version. Yeah. Because I mean, Jack Nicholson did a great job back in the day, right? Like he was a really good Joker, but Heath Ledger, I think took that role to another level. Um, What's funny is Ryan did a good job with it as well. I think the Joker characters have been better acted and better developed than a lot of the Batman characters in those movies. Oh, easily. Yeah, I think it's close. 
yep. which I'm 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 one of those people that I always I always root for the the good guy. Just always been that kind of guy. Sure. You know, I I didn't have any Decepticons when I was a kid. I only had Autobots. That kind of guy. You know what I mean? I didn't have any Cobra people. Only had GI Joes. But you have to be able to look back at those and be like, the 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 bad guys and and most of the Batmans were yep. way better characters than the Batman. And and not always. Like the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze or whatever one was pretty terrible. The Penguin one Dr. was Freeze. pretty gross. Dr. Freeze, baby. Yeah, oh, that yeah. was pretty terrible. Um, you know, but the a lot of them, I mean, the bad guys were were better than, you know, the I mean Poison Ivy, Uma Thurman's Poison Ivy was better played and better developed than the Batman character. So that's an interesting one. Um but yeah, Joker is definitely on the top of my. I'm, well, here's one. I mean, Superman for me has to be one. Uh, Christopher Reeve Superman has to be one for me. Okay. So um, I was I, I was soup. My mom said I was Superman for about five or six straight Halloweens when I was a kid. <laughs> I had a whole man Superman outfit. They could they could kind of stretch out for me. So I've got I've got uh, I've got Rocky Superman, Jason Bourne. Trying to think of some other because I'm also trying to pick people that were in like multiple movies, not just like in one movie. I'll have to think about that. I, I'm not sure who my fourth would be, Ryan. Clark Clark Griswold. <laughs> try, I, I am trying to think of like who else would be. Yeah, like I love the Star Wars franchise, but I don't know if any of the individual characters were ever like great characters as much as it was just they were great movies more so than anything George else. George Banks. Trying to think. Just kidding. Yeah, obviously. So Just bad. kidding. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, I'd, have, I'd have to think about that one, Ryan. I have to think about yeah. that one. I'm trying I'm trying to think of a couple more off the like off the rip. This is one that I should have had time, Pete. You should have thrown this chat in before the show even started to give me a little bit more time, but mm-hmm. obviously joking. But yeah, the Joker's the one that easily comes to mind. Like I'm trying to think of maybe a couple. I'm a big superhero guy, so like I mm-hmm. Trying to think of like who are some of my favorites. I don't know. Like I, I thought Captain America was done incredibly well, right? Like yes. incredibly well on there this, you go. this reformat. Like that's a good one. Yeah. I mean, you could do a Mount Rushmore of just Marvel characters, really. You could I mean you, you could you, know, you could do I I thought I thought you know, sometimes a, a character is made specifically for an actor, and that's partly why I think Rocky was so good. Cause like I don't know that anyone could have played Rocky the way that Sylvester Stallone played Rocky. And I don't think there was a better Iron Man. There could have never been a better Iron Man than than Robert Downey Jr. In my opinion, sure, like sure. he was perfect for Iron Man. And so, yeah, that's a good one. With if you want to talk, I, I got two more. Got Go two ahead. more. Just popped in my head. Denzel is Herman Boone. Herman Boone was a fantastic character from Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, from um, uh, remember the Titans. And then my other one that just popped in my head was Gladiator. Which um was, okay. his name? Yeah, like Gladiator. He was uh, awesome. Yeah, was Russell awesome. Crowe. Gladiator. Yeah, Russell yeah. Crowe's greatest Gladiator. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I'll be honest with you. You talk about Captain America when they killed off Captain America at the end of Endgame. I was just I literally and and Iron Man at the end of Endgame. I just literally lost all interest in the Iron Man or in the in the Marvel yeah. franchise. So oh, Iron Man, I, Iron Man death was devastating. Was devastating. Oh man, oh. it was crushing, oh. crushing. Yeah. I, I had another. I had another one that just popped in my head. I can't even man. think. I'm actually. I've actually got my four now, Ryan. Okay. 
And yeah. and I was I was thinking back in the day, but I've actually got my four. And, and anyone that knows me is not going to be surprised by these: Superman, Rocky, Captain America, and Iron Man. Those are my four. I kicked off Jason Bourne. I, I had to because okay. Captain America would kick the crap out of Jason Bourne, so I had to go. There. It's fair. It's very fair. <laughs> uh, man, I just I just had another one that just completely popped out of my head. I can't believe that that happens. That is very sad. Very, very sad. Maybe yeah. it comes back. I'll say it at some point. But it's a great question, Pete. Great question. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious what some of the people in the chat are putting out in, in for this one, Ryan, because you know there's always good uh, – Arnold as Mr. Freeze made my oh, day. Oh, I got one. I got one. Uh, Mel Gibson as William Wallace in Braveheart was a yeah. fantastic role. Love that You know, Love if it. I was to put that type of character, um, Aragorn is one that, that would I'd have to think about. I thought um, – I thought it was it Viggo Mortensen, right? I thought he was tremendous as Aragorn in the Lord of the Rings yep. franchise. Yep. He 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 gets honorable mention. He gets. Okay. I'll tell you what. If I had to make a a, a Mount Rushmore for for I'm gonna do a I'm gonna cheat, Ryan. I'm gonna make a, a second Mount Rushmore for foreign actors, like guys that played foreign, just so I can have a second one. Now I can add, I can add Russell Crowe for the gladiator i can add, you know what i mean so now i can add some more vigo mortensen's not you know he he would be on there for the role he played so that would allow me to have even more i i also yeah. want to do a series i want to throw it into this bucket instead no more movies pete i'm also going to throw like Arya stark from um game of thrones in there because she was a great character but yeah, yeah. Wasn't yeah. a huge I'm fan of the Game of Thrones, to be honest with you. I love Game of Thrones, man. That was great. Yeah. Oh, if we're going to the TV, uh, TV shows too, then you can start talking about like um, I was a big How I Met Your Mother fan, uh, Marshall Erickson from How I Met Your Mother. Please let me get that. Um, yeah, but that's it. I guess that's a different question. So Pete, throw in another super chat, man. We'll talk about some television Mo- series, movie next, characters. Right? Yes, there we go. All right, let's get let's get back to here. We got some football questions today too, Ryan. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We had Jacob Hayden who said, top three floor-ceiling linebackers on Notre Dame's top 2025 board. What's your dream class at the position? Well, I've, I've, I've talked about this a little bit the other day on the on the the, the uh, message board, Ryan, and, and I – Obviously, when I talk dream class, I always include guys that are already in the class. I'm not going to be that guy that kicks guys out of the class. I, I find that to be disrespectful. But, you know, when I was going over the dream class, obviously for me, Noah McHale is one for me. Everybody knows I love Noah McHale. Marco Jones would be another one. And then for me after that, it's it's kind of one of one of Jeremiah Wusu-Botang, Madden, Madden Nathaniel. Uh, Feriamo. Nathaniel. Yeah, Nathaniel, uh, Nathaniel Wusu-Botang, yeah. Um, one of those the two brothers. guys. 
<laughs> if I could do four, if I can only do three, it's Mikhail Owusu Boateng, one of those guys. But I, I really would want Mar- Marco Jones in this class because I think he's phenomenal. But I also yep. think he brings some really unique positional flexibility. Even if he stays as a linebacker, there are things you can do with him on third down that you can't do with any of the other linebackers. And I sure. just think his film is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, in all honesty, Ryan, if Marco Jones is like, you know what, screw it, I want to play offense. I'd be like, cool, recruit him as an H-back. I mean, he he is just a really excellent football player that I would like to get in the class. But if I can only pick one, and I'm going to get in trouble for this, if I can only do three and I can only pick one, I can't do or, or, I'd go Noah McHale, Marco Jones, and Josiah Kia, Since, simply because Josiah Kia is already in the class. That would be my three if I could, yeah. only, if I could only do that. But the thing is, sure. there's so many good linebackers. Yep. It's like there's guys that they could get instead of the guys I picked that I'm like, okay, doesn't change my opinion of this class at all. Well, well, the good thing about Marco Jones is that the fact that he is such a long, athletic kid that can do a couple different things is you might be able to talk yourself into like, hey, guys, can we get the four now? Can we get the four now if Nathaniel Wusu-Botang's still out there? And you were like, hey, man, we got to take Nathaniel Wusu-Botang. Yes. We can't say no well, to Nathaniel Wusu-Botang. And, and that's the thing, Ryan, is I, I do think Notre Dame would do that. I do think if they were sitting there and let's say that Noah McHale wanted to commit and – I don't know, pick another linebacker, Christian Jones or Marco Jones Ant- or whoever. Anton Delorier. There you go. If, yep. if Nathaniel Owusu-Boateng still wanted to come, I, I mm-hmm. don't think they'd say no. I mean, that that's the thing. I mean, yeah. and that's partly why some decisions are being made about, you know, C.J. May and potential fourth offensive tackle because this is such a good year at other positions or they're in such a great place with certain positions. It's like, do we take a fourth offensive tackle or shoot for the moon and try to get Dallas Golden, Mark Zachary, and Devin Williams? You know, like they don't need a third safety, but they're trying to take one because Jadon Blair is too good to say no to. And when you fill up at other positions with good football players that aren't, you know, elite football players, then that has to come from somewhere. That number has to come from somewhere. And I think yep. they're starting to realize that and make some decisions based off that, right? I don't think there's a lot of wrong answers at linebacker. I mean, honestly, even if you just like, let's say hypothetically, you only take three and you have Josiah Kia, Marco Jones, and you end up with Anthony Saka. Like, is that a, is that a wrong answer? Like that's not a wrong answer, man. That's just a different combination that could potentially be a, a thing. I mean, the floor ceiling question part of this for Jacob is the very interesting part because there's a lot of high ceilings on in this linebacker group in 2025, man. Like it's hard to just pick three. I mean, yeah. Marco would be, right there probably maybe number one for me overall i mean nathaniel wusu botang has some silly ceiling like he could be absolute monster but then after that i mean you could say no mikhail you could also say christian jones because i mean that kid's a six three kid that probably runs the four fives and literally is a great offensive player too as a receiver mm-hmm. it's just like there's so many high ceiling players on the board madden ferrimo's got a phenomenal ceiling as well he's another guy that i like a lot marco and Mc- noah mikhail would be my top two just because their body types are so good and they're so athletic and, and versatile. But yeah, I mean, to your point, Ryan, this is a phenomenal linebacker class. I'm I'm not as high on on Anthony Saka after watching his junior film, but in other years, I, it wouldn't I have changed. That's fine. I I didn't. Um, I just I didn't think he he adjusted well to the weight. But when you look at it, I mean, there's Gavin Nix, who's an outstanding player. You know, there's Nasir Wyatt, who's a really. I mean, th- this is a fun. Just nationally speaking. This is a phenomenal linebacker class nationally. I mean, if you need linebackers and tw- and, and you're going into the 25 cycle, 
you're feeling really good about your that you're if you're a top program that you're going to get pretty good players because to your point normally ryan when we're doing dream classes it's like you got to hit the inside straight to come anything close to a dream class where it's this it's like like i did this when i did my must gets article the other day i don't know if you saw that ryan but like I did like, you know, one of these two, you know, receivers or one of these three corners, but at linebacker, I was like, give me one of these nine guys. And I'm, I feel like you've, you've, you've met your needs because of how right. well you've done in other, uh, other classes. And if you get multiple of these guys and, and you may say, Hey, I like this guy better than that guy. And, and like my, my opinion of Anthony Sack is I, I didn't like his junior film rel- relative to the other guys on the board. But what I was going to say was, is you still look at him in past years and you're like, he's still one of your top two, three guys compared to past years. But this is such a deep linebacker class that you can you can do one of two things, Ryan. You can either A, be picky and say, hey, we really like these guys. We're going to focus on these guys. And then we know there's good backup options. Or you can say, hey, look, there's nine guys on the board. We will take the first two. You can go one of those two directions and you're, you're still going to be in a good position. So I think Notre Dame is in a good place there. Um, now, uh, top floor linebackers is a is a, another one, Ryan. That I'm curious to get your thoughts on. For me, I think the kid they just offered from from Georgia, the Canadian kid from Georgia, is one of those oh, yeah. really high floor guys. Just because, I mean, already right now he looks like a junior in college physically. I mean, just jacked up, physical, powerful. To me, he's the guy that's 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 in my conversation for highest floors just from body type. Now, he's still learning the game quite a yep. bit, in my opinion, but just physically, like that dude is going to show up and you're not going to, like, you're not going to ask yourself, gee, can that guy, is that guy strong enough to play at this level? Like, he's strong enough to play at this level now when you watch right. him play. Uh, you know, yeah. so he'd be one of those he's high floor there. guys for me. Yeah. Marco yeah. Jones is another so, high floor guy for me as well. Yeah. I, I I would say Gavin Nix is another guy too. I, I don't yes. think Gavin's got the best frame of all the linebackers, but he's a very smart player. If nothing else, oh, yeah. he seems like he's always in the right spot. So yeah. he'd he knows be a higher play, player. Ryan. Like he yeah. knows how to he knows how to get to the ball carrier. To your point, like maybe yeah. he'll never be the star that some of these other guys are. But you know who he reminds me of? He reminds me of a more athletic Tavon Coney. That's what he reminds me of. You know where where he's not like like. He's not that elite athlete. He's not that elite yeah. length. He's not, you know, he's not all, but the kid just makes a ton of plays. You know, so I'm, I remember watching Tavon Coney at the pro day thinking, how'd this guy rack up like 200 some tackles the last two years? You know what I mean? Because he just doesn't look the part. He's not very big. He's not a great athlete. But when you watch Tavon Coney play, guy was always around the flipping football. And that's yeah. that's Gavin Nix to me, but a, I would argue a better athlete than what Tavon was. That's that's who pops in my head every time I watch Gavin Nix play. It's not going to blow you away with elite tools. The kid makes mm-hmm. plays, and there's there's value to that linebacker, right? Because you you know this. You can go get three elite athletes and not have a, end up not having a great linebacking core because you've yeah. got to know how to play. That's a position, mm-hmm. and I've compared like middle linebacker is like the quarterback of the defense. You've got to you've got to have it up here as well. You just can't be athletic and. Um, that that's a good one, Ryan. I like that Gavin Nix pick as far as high floors. That's a really good one. Really I think good. no, I think Noah McHale has a high floor too. Um, he's pretty physically advanced. Like he's pretty well put together. He's got good length. He's a good athlete. Like he just, I, I, I have it hard to, I, it would be hard for that kid to miss. Like if, he, if he's not like, even if he doesn't become a superstar, at least a good player, right? Like at least the guy that's going to be a 6'3", 230-something pound linebacker that's going to be able to be explosive in short areas. Like, 
yeah, no, Mikhail would be another one that I think is at least a good player on college level. Yeah. That's a good question. Some off to a very good start today, Ryan. Pete Weber, how early do you see a guy like Owen Strebig contributing significant playing time? What early improvements must he focus on? I, I addressed this last night, Ryan, so I'm curious to get your, your opinion on this one. I, I think for me, Owen is a young man that if we're talking about just where he what he needs to improve on first and foremost, Pete, because I think that that will determine how quickly he's able to get onto the field, the improvements that he's able to make. One is I think pass protection is pretty raw at times because he, if you watch him on film, the only true pass set you see are either him jump setting, which just basically means that off the line of scrimmage, you were trying to make contact early. You're not getting into traditional pass set, or he does an occasional 45 degree set, which again, it's not, it's a true pass set, but it's not like I haven't seen him do a vertical set, for instance, right? Where it's truly in space, letting a defensive end have to work an outside or inside shoulder, and then you're able to read and react based upon the, you know, the the movement of the defensive lineman. So I think pass sets are still a question mark as far as what he will be able to contribute early on in the passing game as a pass protector. And I also think that he's just a young man that he's tall, he's a little leggy. He's still developing into his body. And I think that there's a coordination thing that's going to come with time. Because I, I I don't think there's a lack of flexibility with him. I think he bends pretty well. I think his foot quickness is good. It's a solid level. And I think he's incredibly long. So those things tell me he should be able to last at offensive tackle. He shouldn't be a guy that has to kick inside for any reason. Like he has the tools in order to stay on the outside. Those are the things that I think that he needs to improve upon. I mean, how quickly you know on the field is an interesting question because that is that is not as much on well it is partly on Owen as far as the the improvements that are needed early on in his career but it also is pertinent to the roster right i mean 2025 Charles Jagasaw is going to be a junior so he's going to be potentially at left tackle as a multi-year starter there you're also going to have right tackle i mean Emil Wagner potentially going to be in the conversation Gerby Lambert's like there's going to be some guys in front of him so i would say He's more probably a guy that 2026, 2027 is a guy that is in serious contention just because there's going to be a look. It's a good thing that, I mean, it's a good problem to have. You might have a slight log jam at offensive tackle for the first year or two that he's on campus because you do have some guys that are still relatively young that should be in that conversation at that point. You pretty much said what I said, Ryan. I don't think he's a, a year one guy unless he makes like a big senior season jump in a lot of the areas you talked about. And, so, and yes, most well, offensive tackles are not year one guys. So it's not a, it's not a, yeah, Joe Waltz are rare. I mean, yeah. they're very rare. You don't see that happen very often. And, and Joe Walt did not start as a freshman until three other guys had gotten injured. Let's not forget that as well. They went with Blake Fisher, who's a freshman, got hurt. They went with uh, Tosh Baker. He got hurt. They went with Michael Carmody. He got hurt. And then they put Joe Walt in there and the rest is history. So even Joe Walt wasn't so good as a freshman. They were like, Hey, at least in practice, we we've got to play this guy. Or maybe you could say he was, and they just for whatever stubbornly didn't do it, but you can't say, well, they didn't want to play a freshman because the, a a freshman started the season at left tackle in Blake Fisher. So it is interesting how that played out. Is Steve Smith not in the hall of fame, Brian? Steve Smith senior. Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think he is. How? How's he not in the Hall of Fame? I, I didn't. I think he was more longevity than a great overall player, in my opinion. I don't know, Steve Smith. Yeah, I mean, if you're going to put Andre Johnson in for his numbers, I mean, Steve Smith was going for a thousand yards at the age of thirty-five. 
You know, I thought, man, like, goodness gracious. I didn't realize he wasn't in the Hall of Fame. I think longevity matters, but you've got to be pretty good for a long time. And I think he was. The other question that we've had a lot of people talk about Andre Johnson is who he had a quarterback. And I understand all that, but. Matt Schaub. The reality Matt Schaub is, was a good player, yeah. though. Matt Schaub was a good quarterback. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and and Reggie Wayne produced after Peyton Manning. I mean, he had a thousand, a thirteen hundred yard season with as with rookie Andrew Luck on his team. You know what I mean? I, so I it's like I don't want to hear about I don't want to hear about Andre Johnson having to deal with Matt Schaub when the majority of Tory Holt's career to deal with Mark Bolger as his quarterback. Right. Okay? I don't want to hear good that point. conversation. Because he only played with Kurt Warner for what two, three years. Two years. Yeah. Right? Until, until until Mike Martz stopped started going to just. You're empty all the time and got right. brain scrambled off of concussion right. for a couple of years. Like <laughs> idiot, like Mark's God. Yes. Yeah. I know you're not a fan. Yeah. yeah. I, I think Reggie, I mean, yeah. Reggie Wayne to me is a, yeah. I mean, excuse me, Tory Holt. I, I think you can watch film and say, Hey, this guy thrown in the ball was a great player, but he was open yeah. all the time. And him right. being open all the time is not because of Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning was great at getting the ball to those open guys, getting them into the right call and all that. I mean, he was great and great in those areas, but he still had to go make those plays, and he did. I, I, will, so, I will say this. is uh, Reggie Wayne was very fortunate, though. He went right from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, not the worst sure, uh, quarterback sure. situations of all time. <laughs> a- Andrew had a little bit of a buffer period that first year with typical rookies, you know, turn the ball over a lot. But, yeah, I mean sure. – to me, you 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 shouldn't punish a guy because he happened to play with a great quarterback. And I think I you can look at players that didn't play with great quarterbacks and still say, hey, that was a great player. You know, like I just the, the way that I reacted when I found out what Steve Smith wasn't in the Hall of Fame. Well, who was the who was the great quarterback throwing to Steve Smith his whole career? I mean, I can look at a guy and be like, that's a great player. And who you can agree, disagree, but there's other players that would fit this mold for you that you could say, Hey, that guy was a great player. He didn't have great talent around him but that guy was a great player and yeah. and so uh, and, yeah uh, and and also i would argue that he played in yeah he didn't the afc south was not the greatest division for a chunk of andre johnson's career either and and to your point matt schaub did have some production and yeah, he was some pretty good numbers, so yeah, Matt, I, Schaub, uh, Matt, Matt Schaub does have the NFL record, though, because I actually do think he was a good solid quarterback, but yeah. I believe he has the NFL record for the most career pick sixes thrown, which is a pretty hilarious. Matt Schaub stat. does? That's interesting. Yeah, Matt Schaub. I, yeah. I, I think Mike Hoff has this the best way. He says Andre was a top 10 wide receiver in any given season. That's very good, not Hall of Fame worthy. And I, I think that's a fair thing to say. He was very sure. good for a period of time. I just don't and, – and, again, I don't even necessarily have an issue with Andre Johnson getting in. Yeah. It's, it's, it's more timing. so – First ballot and getting in over with with guys like Reggie Wayne and Tory Holt and Steve Smith still out there, you right. know. I mean that that's kind of that's kind of my issue. And of course, as a Broncos fan, I'm I'm also biased as well towards Rod Smith. I don't think Rod Smith gets nearly enough credit for how good of a player he was. I mean, he you're talking about a guy that produces without a top quarterback. He had a 200 yard catch, 200 catch seasons with what like Brian Greasy as a starting quarterback. Okay, so you're talking about producing. Yes, you want to talk about producing at a high level with not a great quarterback around you. Go look at some of the things that Rod Smith did in his career with with Brian Greasy as the, as the yeah. quarterback. So, yeah, yeah. yeah you, well, great players he, make um, average. Great wide receivers yeah. make average quarterbacks look good. Like, I always yeah. think about like Terrell Owens made 
Jeff Garcia looked like he was pretty good for a couple of years. Yes. Jeff Garcia's not very exactly. good. Like, let's be honest exactly. with ourselves here. Exactly. Did, who, and, and um, yeah, you, you are correct. You are, he had several quarterbacks. Oh, I think he, he, might, he might have had Hel- Elvis Gerback at some point, too. Yeah. It was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Yep. No doubt. Good questions today, guys. Really enjoying these so far. Mark Avalone, NCAA decides to have an old-school Ironman football tournament from present Notre Dame roster. Who are your 11 two-way players, and what positions do they play on both offense and defense? Bonus, who kicks? Oh, my gosh. Oh, man. So we're going like necessary roughness, 11-man football. Man, I'm not going to have any way to answer this. I'll tell you this. I think I know who my quarterback is. I think that one for me is kind of easy in my – my my quarterback Wait, present is present Notre Dame roster. Yes, current Notre Dame roster. Okay. Yeah. My my quarterback's probably Josh Burnham. And I'm just gonna run some sort of power running type thing. I, I don't I mean I like is it can Riley Leonard play unless, safety? Riley Leonard could play single yeah, There you safety. go. <laughs> there you go. Um my I mean boy, so you're just playing eleven man I don't know, man, if I could do that. I really don't. Well, Charles Jagasaw would be on there. And Billy Shrouds would be on there because they both were very good defensive players. Sure. So they would be on there. Um, man, that's a tough one. That's Sam Pendleton weird. being a guard because you'd just be a space-eating nose on yeah. defense and then you play guard. Yeah. You've got to be able to give me some sort of I can use 13 because I can't find – I mean, back in the day when you'd have that, any semblance of that, you also played a 5-2. So, like, where's my fifth offensive lineman going to play? You know what I mean? So you got to give me some kind of one sub out on both sides of the ball. I might go with Cooper Flanagan as my uh, tight end because he can play defensive end. He'd be pretty, yeah. pretty dang good defensive end, yeah. too. So let's put yeah. Cooper yeah, he tight was. end defensive end. He was. So, yeah. You know who surprisingly had a good year on defense this year, Ryan? And I didn't even know he was going to play defense until this year was Jack Larson. So yeah. he, he had a really big sack. Good, yeah. I'm not, he wasn't as good as Cooper Flanagan because you and I have said when Cooper was recruited, if the, if Notre Dame wanted to play Cooper Flanagan at defensive end, I would be like, all right, I'd give him a shot there. You After know? Keon Keeley decommitted, I was like, you know what? I, I wouldn't be opposed yeah. to looking yeah. at Cooper Flanagan at defensive end. I would not be J- opposed. Jack's to not playing defense, defense at Notre Dame. I just was nah. surprised at how well he did. But Cooper Flanagan yeah, could be well. a two-way player. He could be a two-way sure. player. Oh man. Oh, and you got Micah Bell could maybe be a running back. Xavier, well, here's you have one of the best two-way players in all of college football if you wanted to have him that way, and that'd be Xavier Watts. I mean, he he'd be a legit, okay, yes, put him over there and then let him do that as well. He could he could certainly be one. Um yeah. Christian Gray. I mean, you're Benjamin Morrison, those guys all played offense in high school. Uh, Micah, Be- really Micah Bell yeah. would be my slot on both sides of the ball. He'd be my nickel and he'd be my slot receiver if sure. I had to go both ways. So, the, so secondary mm-hmm. to receivers actually not that hard because a lot of those Drake, kids were Drake, Drake Bowen would be nice my player. running back, would be my running back linebacker. So, there Drake you go. Bowen. Yeah. <laughs> you know who, you know, I changed my mind on quarterback. It's not Josh Burnham, it's Jack Kaiser. I forgot Jack was a really good quarterback in high school, state champion quarterback in high school. But maybe, maybe I'll do this. I'll have Burnham, I'll have, I'll have a, a backfield of Burnham, Drake Bowen, and, and, and uh, Jack Kaiser run an old like a uh, single wing with some of those big boys. Cause then Burnham can throw. I mean, it's just, <laughs> I'm just glad we don't have to make these decisions. Uh, who kicks? I don't know. I don't know. Who's a, I, I don't know. Who's a, who's a good kicker. I don't yeah, know. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure Drake Bowen could kick. I mean, I just athletically, I don't know that there's a whole lot Drake Bowen couldn't do. 
Well, well Riley Leonard, Riley Leonard's my quarterback and single high free safety. I'm sure he's okay. a quarterback, so he can shoot okay. basketball and he can kick a sure. football. Let's be honest. I'm sure. So yeah. That's a that's a fun one, Mark. But that man, that that would take so much. That's I'll say that's one of those message board ones that would be that would create some fun offseason conversation for sure. I just want to know where Mark's head was when he thought of that. That's like I wonder, like, was he watching Necessary Roughness? And he's like, I wonder what well, it'd be like for another day. You know what it was? Like I, I bet it was the Pro Bowl game thing that they do now because they do, they do a um, flag football game where they just put guys on both sides of the ball as well. Like, um, who was it? It was a wide receiver that had an interception on the defensive side of the oh it was um Rashid um Shahid the the wide receiver from New Orleans I think he had like a pick six during that thing or whatever and he hmm. plays wide receiver so I think it's the two-way yeah. type of like football games it. we just saw possibly didn't watch it. Jacob Good Hayden am I crazy for saying I'm excited to see Jason Onye with an expanded role potentially with Gabriel Rubio being away from the team well, I don't know that that Jason Onye is going to have an expanded role that now that Gabriel's gone because they both played. I mean, they they were they were both there. I think what's going to happen is this opens up an opportunity for Donovan Heinish to play more this spring. It opens up an opportunity, perhaps, for an Armel Mukum, a Devin Houston, a Tyson Ford, one of those younger guys to maybe challenge and get more reps in that regard. But you know. You're, you're. I don't know that you're going to have a situation, Ryan, with with Gabriel out that Jason all of a sudden becomes the number two at both spots, and he takes right. all those reps. In my opinion, I, I will say this: I understand where the excitement is coming from because I do think that that Jason Onye is a player to keep an eye on for really taking a jump this year as part of that rotation because of the fact that he finally got some experience, got to be on the field, got to learn some lessons. And now he enters year four. I think he can end up becoming a really, really quality backup. And not, I don't say backup. I don't even think that's a, a respectful enough term. I think it's a rotate part of the rotation. And the thing about it is, the better those guys play, the less you have to play Gabriel, I mean, um, uh, Howard Cross and, and Riley Mills. And whenever I say that, I'm not talking about against Texas AM or Florida State or Louisville. I'm talking about like in other games, a lot of those other games, you don't have to play them as much in those other games because. You can go the deeper rotation, take the wear and tear off of their legs, so that way you can ramp up their snaps in some of the bigger games, but not feel like you're you're missing a beat. And and right. that's what I think this defensive line has a chance to do next year, Ryan, is I think that you have a chance to have even more production from that second wave in 2024 than you did 23, because so many of those guys that were part of that second wave this year in 2024 were really first-year rotation guys in 2023. Onye, Josh Burnham, Junior Tualamaka, those guys were all kind of – this was their first taste of college football, and now they're all going to be back and get some much-needed experience in another another year in the weight room. So I think I think that's something that has me excited about what this defensive line is going to be able to do this year. I'm so excited that my webcam decided to fall off, off, the, yeah. uh, off the mount there, so that was good. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think, Jacob, I, I am very excited about, about Jason Onye because I think that Jason Onye – as an argument for one of the top probably two to three most physically gifted interior defensive linemen. I mean, he's a really talented kid. And honestly, I think he should have played a little bit more at times this past year because I thought there were some games where I'm just like, that kid's unblockable for, for a few reps that he has, right? So I, I'm genuinely excited just to see more of him overall, whether it's expanded and how much it is. We'll, we'll see, obviously. But I think that that kid is... I mean, at six foot four and a half, six foot five with length and 290 plus pounds, 
that kid can move, man. So I, I, I definitely want to see more Jason Onye this year because I think that that kid is physically gifted if he puts it all together. Because then, because then, Brian, we also have to talk about like the next wave of stuff, right? Like we always have these conversations of like who's next after that, right? And it's like after next year, you're going to be out without Howard Cross and Riley Mills after this next season. So it's like who's the next wave of interior defensive linemen? Is Jason Onye the next guy that in the fifth year he's ready to really take that massive step forward? We'll see. We will see. Yeah. We had Aiden Benami. What's Aiden? Do you prefer two big ends or one and a Viper or neither? And then he said neither as in different than those. So like not a Viper, not a big end, something different. Oh, so like a strong side end and a weak side defensive end is basically what we're talking about something, here. Yeah, prefer- like to me, so so what I would what I would explain it to this way is do you have two true edge players, like true two ends? Or when you define Viper, do you have it as, because that's just the thing, Ryan, it's like, well, it depends on what kind of Viper we're talking about. I mean, an Isaiah Foskey type of Viper is going to be a whole lot of a different player than a, you know, a Josh Burnham type of Viper or a Jordan Patel type of Viper who were guys that would maybe do more in coverage or do can, can move around more. I mean, they're just different types of players. For me, I think in today's era, it is very beneficial. It's not, it's not required. There's a big difference between being, being beneficial and being something you need. It's very beneficial when you have a, a, a Viper type, whatever you want to call it, that can do a little bit of everything. He can play off the edge. He can play the run. He can even stack and kind of move around and be a free floater in certain situations. He can drop into coverage, whether it be running with wheels, dropping under hook curls, you know, taking the flats. If you can have a guy that can be, be very versatile and do a lot of different things that allows you to match up with different types of looks so that you don't have to sub a lot of the time, I think there's benefits to that. I don't know sure. if it's a must. So I would say I, I would prefer that type of edge rusher. But at the end of the day, that position has to provide me more pass rushing value than what it got, what it did at Notre Dame in 2023. That, that, sure. that, that to me is a no-brainer. You can't have that position not provide – disruptive playmaking ability that that's the one thing it has to have in my opinion however you use it i i am fully on board with the viper style and big end style item personally because i what what is what is something that people always talk about when they talk about getting great offensive coordinators they always talk about pre-snap motion and pre-snap movement you know why they do that because they're trying to get a defensive line and linebackers into conflicts. They're trying to get them into the, a bad look and be able to take advantage of them to have a Viper that can play standing up at times can play with the hand and dirt at times could work off the line of scrimmage at times. Maybe you go to more of a three down look comparative to a four down look. I think it's very valuable because that's how you create mismatches and in matchups. And it's how you also negate matchups because offensively, ultimately what you're trying to do is you're trying to put guys in bad but a bad position and take advantage of them, right? So I think if you have just two big ends, two guys that are just hand in the dirt, that's all they can do. If I motion to an empty set, for instance, where you don't have the proper nickel or dime look to be able to just match up accordingly with the four down front, then you're going to put a big end potentially into coverage where that's just not what he is meant to be doing, man. That is just not the role that you want to be seeing him in, obviously. So I think in the modern game, in the NFL and college, where it is so much much more space-oriented now, having a guy that, that if you get flexed out, can work 
and maybe move out to an overhang position. But when it's an obvious passing situation and you have the look you like, you get into a four down or a three down against certain looks. I think that's very valuable. I do. So I think that having that Viper that is a little bit more of a versatile player that can impact multiple ways of the game, I think that that is a very valuable, especially in today's world. I will say I'm not opposed to having two, um, I'm not even going to say Viper types, but more like weak side defensive end spots as far as like guys that are just true pass rushers, maybe not run sets against obvious passing situations, right? That's where situational football comes into effect. Yeah, I mean, Duke kind of did that with Mike Elko. The way that they used RJ Open, they didn't use him as like a big end. He was just a pass rusher, even as the field player. He's just a pass rusher. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot of, you know, set the edge the way that Notre Dame has used their big end in the past. And and I think Notre Dame is moving to a little bit more of a, uh, of a, like they had been kind of getting by with a big defensive tackle there in recent years. You had Riley Mills, you had, you had Myron Tungvaloa Mosa. I think that they would prefer a Khalid Kareem type minimum. And then they can obviously get away with the guy like Javante Jean-Baptiste because you are playing more and more teams that are trying to get in space. And and there's just tends to be less value in that, in that type of thing. And I think uh, having a guy like a, a Chris Burgess, why I think guys like Chris Burgess and, and, and players like that can be really good at that position is because if you have the right kind of Viper, Ryan, you can easily shift into a three down, and not have to move personnel because that Viper can kind of come off ball, maybe play out and over top of a tight end or something like that, depending on what kind of player you have there. And you're going to have enough beef at that big end position to, to, to still hold up there, but you can't do that and sacrifice the ability to rush the quarterback. That's, that's the challenge of finding that right type of player for that. And Notre Dame's had a little bit of a tough time finding that, which is why Javante Jean-Baptiste was such a, a pleasant surprise because he gave them value in both areas. He was pretty good against the run this year, which is, I wasn't surprised with his pass game production. He only had five sacks, had a lot of pressures, you know, was a disruptive player. I think that's the thing we expected him to be, Ryan. What surprised me this season was he was a lot better playing the edge against the run than I thought he was going to be. That was, yep. that was the thing that kind of caught me off guard and, and I'm happily so for what he mm-hmm. did. 